Salam, shalom, peace. Now, go vegan. Peace how? Go vegan. From the left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Corp. Port Nation. In the cheese-covered post-constitutional, thanks for bankrupt, corruptocracy, mocracy, criminocracy, unchallenged by meteor, meteocrity, from, uh, food born in the NSA, uh, NRA, USA, home of Uncle Sam Manella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden on just a glorious January day in Northern California, where it's uh, it's almost cold, not quite. It's California, yeah, almost cold. Um, you know, that's also that special moment right after heavy rains, where everything seems so fresh and clean. You know, right before that new layer of chemtrails. Just that special moment, brief moment. So um, today. I would like to address the confusion of confusing plant-based based confusion, which is uh, quite a mouthful. Uh, but then again, uh, a mouthful of what? Um, kind of boiled over for me this week when I uh, saw a, a release from Forks Over Knives talking about the plant-based diet and what one eats if one is on a plant-based diet. And so I read that a plant-based diet, uh, quote, is centered on whole, unrefined, or minimally refined plants. It's a diet based on fruits, vegetables, tubers, whole tubers, I played that in the high school band, um, whole grains and legumes, and <clears throat> excludes or minimizes uh-oh I don't like the sound of that it excludes or minimizes meat including chicken fish dairy products eggs as well as uh, highly refined foods like uh, bleached flour and refined sugar and oil, and uh, hmm, I always thought that plant-based was a term that people used for vegan. You know, people who were afraid to use the word vegan. You know, the the V word. You know, we 
which uh, for some reason uh, has become sort of a combination of the F word and the N word to many vegans. <coughs> now, what's that about? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. What is it? Is, is, is the word that scary? If you mention, if you mention vegan, do, do people run from you in, in fear and terror? I mean, come on, you can say it. You can repeat after me. Come on. V plant based. No, 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 no. The word is vegan. Come on, give it a try. You can say it. V plant based. Well, all right. Well, come on. Someday you may even regard that V word well as as a term of endearment, as in uh, hey vegan, get your vegan. You fill in the body part of your choice right here. Uh, over here, uh, you know, right now, you know, hey, vegan, get your vegan body part of your choice here right now. Um, of course, only vegans can use the term of endearment among themselves. You know, so, I mean, a non-vegan would be considered uh, not politically correct addressing us as a vegan, right? You know, hey, is that... Uh, a term of ridicule? No, 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 no. Actually, when you think about it, um, that's all the opposite. Well, everything is the opposite of what it seems. Up is down, left is right. Um, so I actually find that non-vegans are very interested in that V word, vegan. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I don't know... Uh, why, why, why vegans even even deny it? Even deny that they're vegan. Sometimes saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not vegan. No, I'm I'm plant based. Well, the term plant based is officially rendered dead uh, or meaningless. Uh, if you can eat dead food, you know, on a plant based diet, then you know, the term plant based is officially rendered dead. By whom? By me. And the power vested in me as a vegan talk show host, yeah, which, uh, which also qualified me to conduct a wedding ceremony some years back for Jerry and Natalie, as recounted on a recent Vegan World Radio program where a couple got married. This is just, what, a few weeks ago on Vegan World Radio? Am I digressing? Uh, yeah, so, um, anyway, so if, if plant-based eating merely minimizes meat, dairy, eggs, and fish, eating chicken, fish, whatever, um, and does not eliminate them, then basically, well, anyone eating a steak who orders a salad can consider him or herself on a plant-based diet, right? I mean, uh, isn't that con con convenient? Um, I thought that plant-based meant vegan. That's what I thought. I, you know, I, I imagine many vegans thought that plant-based meant vegan. Uh, but now we see, now we see how words or terms or slogans evolve. Vegetarian probably meant vegan to a lot of people. Um, and uh, then, you know, then there was the necessity to show one's inconsistencies or the violations of being vegetarian. So 
then, you know, or, you know, so when someone actually cheated, he or she would have to add the prefix lacto, as in uh, lacto-vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian, except I cheat with dairy. Or ovo-vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian, except I cheat with ovo or eggs. Uh, Lacto-ovo-vegetarian cheats on many fronts. Um, basically saying, you know, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm not. Huh? But give me credit. Give me credit. Uh, the pigs the pigs will give me credit, right? I don't see, you know, I don't, don't see pigs included necessarily in the vegetarian diet. Although sometimes people eat chicken and say they're vegetarians. They eat fish and say they're vegetarians because, you know, what what is pure? Ah, the word vegan. Vegan, vegan, vegan. At least that's pure to me. But with vegetarian, it's like, give me credit. Give me credit uh, for doing nothing. Uh, doing nothing from a meat eater. If you're a vegetarian, if you're that lacto-vegetarian, you might as well be eating the hamburger because mother cow who's given you that milk will uh, become hamburger after she can't give milk anymore. Her baby boy may have become hamburger or veal. So if you're, you know, if you're a meat and potatoes kind of guy or a meat and potatoes kind of person, well, uh, I guess you have it half right, huh? So, you know, we'll, we'll give you full credit. You're now on a plant-based diet because, hey, potatoes, right? So... Go ahead, have a steak, have a hamburger. And cows are plant-based, aren't they? So I didn't realize that uh, plant-based meant reducitarian. Uh, I thought it meant eliminatarian, eliminatarian. Um, I don't know. So this is so great. I take all of the benefits associated with plant-based when it means vegan, add some meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, and what do you have? Uh, I think it's called the Atkins diet, isn't it? Is the, is the plant-based diet actually the Atkins diet or, or the Fatkins diet? Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess if you tell people what they want to hear, why should, be, why should people be allowed to minimize meat, dairy, fish, and eggs on a plant-based diet? Why shouldn't they just have to eliminate? Uh, go ahead, have, have a cheese pizza. Go ahead, chicken wings. You know, you're now on a plant-based diet. If you just if you s swallow this spoonful of lentils or, you know, ha have, have some quinoa. Um, yeah, okay. So disappointing. Um, and... Uh, you know, some some years back, uh, T. Colin Campbell was on the Larry King program, and uh, oh, I was watching that, and it, it, you know, I guess he was on with another doctor. There had been some E. coli outbreak, you know, which basically is, uh, you know, you can't keep poop off of meat, meat production. So, you know, it's a, a fecal covering, which is no no extra charge for fecal matter. Um, on your poop burger. 
So there was some some E. coli outbreak. Somebody's getting sick from it, whatever. Um, so there was a Larry King had a program with a number of guests, including T. Colin Campbell, and I just, you know, and T. Colin Campbell, you know, Cornell University, the China study. Uh, the largest study of diet and health ever has been on this radio program and talked about how deadly animal protein is. And again, if I could only remember the quote, and I'm too lazy to listen to the archive of my own show because I don't like to listen to myself, and, and I don't like watching me on YouTube right now with this new video that's out, that I may play at the end of the program, actually, if you uh, go to YouTube and... Um, <laughs> search for uh, everything wrong with animal rights. Um, I don't know. I don't like to watch myself or listen to myself, but people seem to be enjoying that video. So uh, so let me force you to do it for me instead of subjecting myself to me. Let me subject you to me. Uh, if you go to YouTube, I, I may play the audio of that. That was, uh, ironically, I was, <laughs> I, I was interviewed by Klaus of... Uh, plant-based news ironically with uh, that video <laughs> so anyway so uh, some years back T. Colin Campbell was on the Larry King program and he was explaining uh, how how dangerous animal protein is I'm sure he said at least you know animal protein is responsible for at least 80% of fatal degenerative disease he may have said 90%. That's what I mean. I have to check my own archive. But he said at least. So that's a pretty big number right there. So, um, and he's on Larry King. And uh, I'm saying, please, T. Colin Campbell, say the word vegan. Please, please explain, you know, explain what you mean. Tell it like it is. You know, you, you know, say, you know, tell, say it loud. I'm vegan and I'm proud. Um, and this is how it went. Dr. Campbell, you believe that even if animal-based proteins, meat, dairy, etc., are free from contamination, you don't think people should eat them? No, I don't. I think the closer we get to a plant-based diet, I should say a whole foods plant-based diet, the healthier we're going to be for all of us. Why, if we could eliminate the contamination, why would we be healthier? Well, I should say something about myself. Uh, incidentally, I came from a background on a dairy farm milking cows and then eventually ended up in graduate school now more than 50 years ago uh, attempting to promote the idea of the uh, good old American diet, high in protein and, and all the rest and high in animal foods. And so I got into my research program that was to last for many, many years, funded by NIH, and uh, learned something that I didn't expect to see. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story. Uh, I especially well, briefly, what, what was the conclusion? Well, the conclusion was that the closer we get to consuming a whole foods, plant-based diet, the healthier we're going to be on all accounts. Okay. Dr. Rodriguez, you believe that animal proteins can and should be a part of the diet, correct? Why? Yes, I think that animal proteins provide essential nutrients that you are able to get in a unique package of foods for, let's say, about 200 calories, uh, a three-ounce serving of meat, you are able to get good quality protein, essential nutrients that are packaged along with vitamins and minerals that are needed for 
growth and development throughout the life cycle. And I think is that when you make a choice to eliminate those animal products from your diet, it becomes a challenge, particularly for certain vulnerable populations, such as infants and children, to get those nutrients in. Is, is the E. coli thing an aberration? I don't think so. So then shouldn't you be concerned about it? I think that, again, after hearing the earlier guests on the show, that's outside of my area of expertise as a, as a nutritionist. You want people to be smart in the way that they purchase and handle their foods and prepare them. And if they are to follow those directions and pay attention to some of the educational information that the earlier guests were talking about providing, the food system should be safe and the inclusion of animal proteins and those essential nutrients that they provide uh -huh. should be consumed without a problem. Dr. Campbell, Dr. Rodriguez says it's okay. How do you respond? No, I, I, I disagree. I, a plant-based diet, whole foods, plant-based diet, really has all the nutrients we actually need at optimum levels of intake. And um, what we learned early in my career uh, was that instead of protein, especially animal protein being a good nutrient, so to speak, and creating good health, what we learned is that we could actually turn on cancer development by simply increasing the level of animal protein intake above the amount that, uh, of protein that we really needed. We could turn it off by simply taking it away. And that started a whole uh, series of studies looking at all kinds of questions related to, the, to this idea that cancer could be turned on with the consumption of animal protein. And as time passed, we learned, for example, that blood cholesterol levels would increase by increasing animal protein intake and all the other nutrients that come with it. We could, we could learn that um, the body tended to produce acid that would create problems uh, that in turn would lead to a loss of calcium from bones, which in turn would increase osteoporosis. And so it was a long series of studies for so many, many years that, that uh, mm -hmm. really clearly indicated to me that I had to change my own practices, my own mind from early in my career. Dr. Rodriguez, what's a consumer to do? Here are two experts. Well, a consumer is to go vegan, but, ah, Dr. Campbell, why didn't you say that? You kept saying, a whole foods plant-based diet? What does that mean to the CNN audience anyway? Do you have to buy plants at Whole Foods? Um, so am I eating a philodendron with mushroom sauce? Should I get a Venus flytrap? Well, Venus flytrap doesn't sound like a vegan plant, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it's not a vegan plant-based diet anymore. Anyway, I just say, say it loud. I'm vegan and I'm proud. Food companies aren't afraid of the word vegan. They put it clearly on the label. And, uh, you know, that means something to me when I see vegan on a food label. If it says plant-based, well, what does that mean? You know, has a bunch of plants, maybe with, with an egg in it? I mean, I, I, I don't even know. So if I, you know, I, I am reassured by the word vegan. Why are, why are we running from it? The, the food industry has, has embraced that word. Um, so it does mean something to me when I see it on the label. Um, except, <laughs> well, and I think back on uh, <laughs> some months ago, we were talking about the uh, Vegan Society in the UK, which was started by the, the, the person who coined the term vegan. Uh, Donald Watson, but uh, for some reason, the the label in the UK appears on products to read, um, you know. So it's it's certified vegan, 
you know, the certified vegan stamp is on the food items, but then it says may contain fish. And then there's another, you know, certified vegan may contain dairy. So I think Donald Watson could turn over in his grave if uh, he were alive today, so to speak. Um, and let's see, did I want to get into that a little bit here? Because, um, you know, I, 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 I wanted to uh, go into the definition of, of what has become vegan, but maybe I'll do that a little later in the program because I, I did also, you know, I mean, now that I'm so demoralized by seeing uh, that a plant-based diet uh, you know, allows for meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption, I mean, I, I, I want to say it isn't so. Um, you know, say it isn't so that I just lost, uh, oh, did I just lose that page on my computer? Wait a second. Uh, I have so many, so many open tabs. Okay, so I say, say it isn't so, but let's look for the definition. I guess we can go to Wikileaksipedia here, um, or, you know, that's the, that's the authoritative word in the computer age, uh, Wikipedia. Plant-based diet. Um... It says, a plant-based diet is a diet of any animal, including humans, based on foods derived from plants, including vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and fruits, but with few or no animal products. Few animal products? So, apparently, in the definition that we find on Wikipedia, animal products are included in the definition of plant-based diet. Uh, it says, uh, the use of the phrase has changed over time. Well, see what I tell you. The use of the phrase has changed over time. And examples can be found of the phrase plant-based diet being used to refer to vegan diets. Well, that's what I thought. Um, uh, which contain no food from animal sources. Uh, then to vegetarian diets, which include eggs and dairy, but no meat, meaning, you know, a meaningless. The, the word vegetarian, let's face it, if it's, if it's non-vegan, it's a word as meaningless as uh, plant-based, if that's non-vegan, right? So, um, okay, so, uh, okay, so it talks about, uh, what's it say here? Many people who live on a plant-based diet are thought to do so out of economic necessity. As of 1999, it was estimated that 4 billion people live primarily on plant-based diets around uh, the planet here, apparently, right? Well, that's uh, a good number if, if, if it's vegan. Um, anyway, and the shortage of cropland, fresh water, and energy resources requires that most of the 4 billion people live primarily on a plant-based diet, I, I, I'm afraid I don't really even know what the term means anymore. So, um, yeah. All right, let me just see if there's anything else I want to... There you have it, by the uh, powers uh, vested in me as a vegan talk show host. 
I must uh, I must proclaim the word the term plant-based uh, officially dead or officially including dead foods I guess right I mean that's what it is uh, the dead plant-based diet it's the plant-based diet of the dead <laughs> I don't know whatever um, so let me go to the the vegan society now. <laughs> it's it's a website. I think there was something on there that I want to discuss. Um, and I'm again I mentioned we go to the website of the vegan society who certifies foods vegan, except may contain fish or dairy. Um, does anything make any sense? Okay. So it says in November 1944, Donald Watson called a meeting with five other non-dairy vegetarians, including Elsie uh, uh, Shingley, to discuss non-dairy vegetarian diets and lifestyles. Um, though many uh, held similar views at the time, these six, six pioneers were the first to actively found a new movement, uh, despite opposition. The group felt uh, a new word was required to describe them, something you know, more concise than non-dairy vegetarians. Uh, re they rejected words. Uh, some of the words they included, you know, uh, the, the rejected words uh, prior to accepting vegan, well, what was rejected? Dairy ban, dairy ban. So this program could have been called Go Dairy Ban with Bob Linden. You know, this is Go Dairy Ban Radio. But I'm glad, because who wants to hear the word dairy all the time referring to ourselves? That would be ah, disgusting. So what else? They uh, they didn't, uh, they, they passed on the word Vitan, V-I-T-A-N, Vitan. That sounds rather powerful, doesn't it? I am Vitan Man. Um, let's see, what else did they reject? They rejected Benivore. That sounds so benevolent, doesn't it? That, that, that's a nice term, I think, benivore. But they settled on vegan, uh, containing the first three and the last two letters of vegetarian. Um, in the words of Donald Watson, it marked the beginning and end of vegetarian. I'm all for it. The beginning and end of vegetarian. Vegan. Okay, so... Uh, and then, uh, let's see. So this was in the 1940s, and then it says here on the website, uh, when the society became a registered charity in 1979. Oh, no. I was, wasn't it something? Yeah, I thought it was. So that was in 1944 that they uh, put together the, um, you know, the first, uh, first started calling ourselves vegan. Now, let me look for another tab. Talk amongst yourselves. I have so many of them open here. All my windows to the world. Let's see. No, not that, not that. This, okay. All right. Um, yeah, this, this is, uh, what is this from? This is from, probably from other Wikipedia things. So, anyway, uh, as Watson grew up, he did not smoke, consume alcohol, or make contact with foods or substances which he regarded as toxins. And then uh, 
in the 1940s after learning about milk production. Donald Watson became a vegan. He explained his motivation as ethical concern for sentient animals. Quote, we can see quite plainly that our present civilization is built on the exploitation of animals, just as past civilizations were built on the exploitation of slaves. And we believe the spiritual destiny of man is such that in uh, time he will view with abhorrence the idea that men once fed on the products of animals' bodies, end quote. Of course... Uh, He's, he he uses man, and you know we we would say more like humans, right? So anyway, uh, not you know that's 1940s uh, gender pronoun talk there. So anyway, uh, there you have it. Uh, critics claimed that he could not survive on his proposed diet. Well, I survived myself now, 33 years on it. So happy for that. How could I live my, with myself otherwise? It says, in November 1944, in Leicester, he and his wife Dorothy and four friends founded the Vegan Society. Um, someone in the group would have come up with a word to describe their way of life, he believed. But he suggested vegan, uh, as I said, the beginning and the end of vegetarian. Because veganism starts with vegetarianism and carries it through to its logical conclusion. That's another quote from Donald Watson, um, because uh, veganism starts with vegetarianism and carries it through to its logical conclusion. Uh, so Watson and his group launched the first edition of the Society's quarterly newsletter, The Vegan News, in that same year. And uh, there you have it. And uh, I thank uh, those uh, six wonderful people and... Donald Watson and Dorothy and all for uh, uh, giving us the, the most beautiful word in the world, as far as I'm concerned, the be most beautiful word I've ever heard. And uh, well, I, I, I like to use it whenever possible. It's on my, it's on my caps. It's on my shirts. It's, it's everywhere. What is more beautiful than the word vegan and what it represents? So anyway, better than plant-based. All right, I think, uh, I think I should take a break here, shouldn't I? Or you should take a break, okay. I think that's what we'll allow to happen. You're going to take a break, um, and we're going to talk to Eric Weissman. Um, as you know, our program is Eric Weissman of Evolution, Dog and Cat Food, Vegan Dog and Cat Food, coming up. Um, and uh, this month we commemorate the 16th anniversary of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. We started in January of uh, 2001. Uh, we actually started this program pre-9-11. So, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a blast from the past. This is a voice from the days of, of freedom before oppression and the Patriot Act and uh, everything that feels so terrible. You know, we, uh, we, we were actually feeling good for a few months here. Um, back when the show started. Uh, we are listener-supported. We would greatly appreciate it if you would make a tax-deductible donation and help us continue our work. Um, you know, what is our work? Uh, we, we have no ulterior motive, so you can't think that there's a hidden agenda here. Um, if you're not vegan yet, we want you to be vegan, so we want to help you go vegan. Um, if you are vegan, 
We want to encourage you to help everybody else to go vegan. Um, and uh, so we'll do it uh, by, by any means, uh, you know, uh, morally practical here. So uh, if that means uh, quoting uh, who are considered the world's top environmental uh, specialists to alert you to the fact that, uh, or to alert you to climate change, everybody's con concerned about climate change, and the world's top climate specialists tell us that going vegan is the only solution to climate change. So, you know, um, if it's uh, about the animals and the morality of killing billions and billions of sentient beings, uh, we can discuss that. Um, and, and if I can totally gross you out, you know, and make everything just seem so yucky that you'd go vegan, well, let me see if I can work on that with you, uh, with uh, Eric Weissman coming up on the program. And again, I would like to encourage you to make a tax-deductible donation to support our program. Um, and uh, you can do so by finding the donate button at goveganradio.com. has retired from nonprofit work. So Go Vegan Radio is looking for a vegan CPA. So uh, if uh, uh, you, you resemble one or know one, uh, again, please contact me. It's bob at goveganradio.com. Um, and uh, again, please help us stay on the air and continue the projects that we do. Um, and you can make a tax-deductible donation to 501c3 Go Vegan Radio by going to goveganradio.com and find the donate button there. You'll also find hundreds and hundreds of free archive programs. We are hitting our 16th anniversary uh, this month of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, now we uh, want to welcome back Eric Weissman, uh, so uh, I hate to interrupt your, your chores, uh, cleaning up for companion mice in your household there. What, what are you up to? Well, besides cleaning up the mice, I was working hard today, um, getting uh, pet food uh, production and um, running a lift truck, you know, I. We have a warehouse operation where we have to store, you know, the vegan pet food we manufacture, and <clears throat> so I do. I do Joe jobs. I do Joe jobs as well as assist people with their very sick dogs and cats around the country every day, and their sick humans. And uh, it's it's been very busy. 
very busy. Not not hugely profitable, but very busy. So, Eric Weissman, um, people know my motive is to get everybody to go vegan by uh, all uh, peaceful, moral means possible, which also could include really grossing people out and uh, getting them to think, wow, th yuck, I don't want to have anything to do with any of this. So um, I think people would be disturbed, at least I hope they will be, to learn exactly um, the ingredients of pet foods and the ingredients of the feed uh, eaten by the animals whom they eat. And uh, you've been looking at this, you've been tweeting about this, so uh, l let us in on the horror Please gross everybody out from from ever, you know, going going near this again. Okay. Well, to begin with, when I first started Evolution Pet Food, which was, believe it or not, twenty eight years ago. Wow. Actually, it was longer than twenty eight. It was more like about thirty thirty two years ago. Because I started investigating the pet food industry about 32 years ago. And what I found was hair raising. You know, the ingredients that they use in pet food and animal feed are, are scary. They're shocking. They're disturbing. And they're very toxic. Okay? So... What I found is that the entire industry really is the garbage can for the slaughterhouse industry. And for many of us that are attending this program tonight and people that are vegans, well, we're well familiar with how horrid the meat, poultry, and fish, dairy, egg industry really is, how dirty it is, how toxic it is. But... What a lot of people in our movement don't realize is that the sickest animals, the animals that cannot be used for human consumption because they're in such bad condition or that they're not um, sufficiently meat-laden to be used for human consumption, wind up in pet food and animal feed. So what are these animals and um, how come they don't appear on the label, ingredient labels in, on pet foods and the ingredient labels in meat, poultry, fish, dairy, and egg products? Well, the answer for that is really simple. The um, FDA and AFCO, the American Association of Feed Control Officials, that is really an industry organization, manipulate the labeling on pet foods and animal feeds and the requirements. Now, this is really an industry-run organization. So guess whose favor an industry-run organization is going to be in favor of? Mm. The industry. Ah, 
Good answer. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But take into consideration that the U.S. government um, is heavily influenced by the slaughter industry, the chemical drug industry, the weapons industry. You can see the indiscriminate use of chemical drugs, weapons, um, you know, in the field where you're seeing, you know, people, you know, murdered in the field around the world by U.S. weapons. Um, the U.S. is committing genocide and committing um, heinous acts, war crimes um, outside the United States. But well, what I want culture, you to consider... Well, a culture of death that dines on flesh and blood. It's yeah, serious. yeah. But, you know, when they're fighting these phony wars, you know, against these um, so-called terrorists, they're also killing millions of animals. Sure, they may be killing... They may have killed millions of people in the last, you know, 15 years in these phony wars, but they're also, they're probably, they probably killed billions of animals at the same time. And of course, they, they never discussed that in the um, media, the corporate media, or even the non-corporate media. It's never discussed how many animals have been killed in in attacks, various attacks, but they are being killed and in much higher numbers than humans. So, um, but th that is like a perversion of our civilization that we don't um, give credence to the animals. Their lives are disrespected and they're abused and, you know, snuffed out wholesale by humans, not just in slaughterhouses, not just in city kill shelters where they kill the dogs and the cats, and the chemical drug labs, you know, the pharmaceutical companies and the chemical companies, not just there, but in the fields of battle, you know, they're also killed and tortured, of course. And in the last 15 years, I'm sure it's well into the billions including wild animals and domesticated that, animals that have been killed the, in these the battles. Hidden, it's the hidden war against animals. Uh, uh, by, they, they die by the billions, and it's, it's like a hidden war. You know, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So, it really so, is. So, it is. So, so tell us what, what and, you know, uh, who is going so, into, uh, you know, the, the pet food, the, the feed that animals eat. What... What, what's okay. in there that's so uh, horrible, horrific? So in, the, in the first place, you know, the chicken, the chicken they describe on pet food is not the chicken you would consume. The fish... Well, I, I, the, I wouldn't consume any chicken. Yeah, you okay. wouldn't eat any of this stuff. But to the people out there that are carnivorous, you know, flesh eaters, for those people, they probably wouldn't want to eat the quality of chicken the quality of fish, the quality of meat, the quality of lamb that's going into pet food because those animals are not fit for human consumption, much less other animal consumption, but they are. Okay, so 
Actually, here's actually, no here's how the paradigm no works. Are fit for human consumption. Right, they're not. I mean, I, I understand right. because humans technically, um, anthropologically, are herbivores. We should we are herbivores. I'm talking about from a scientific, technical standpoint. Humans should only be eating herbivorous foods. And the, the reason why we get so sick with heart disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, dementia, is because our arteries progressively block with saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol every time we consume animal-based foods that contain saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol. And by the way, animal foods are the only foods that contain saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol. So the chemical drug industry preys upon humans um, by insisting that they eat animal products knowing that they'll get sick and they make drugs, chemical drugs, that help compensate for the damage that's created by eating saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol. Okay, so this is progressive and it's from day one. From the day that we are born, humans are born, we suffer from the damage that is caused by consuming animal products from infancy. Now, if you compare our physiology to that of a dog or a cat, what you would find is that dogs and cats, conversely, do not get saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol, inflammation, and placking of the arterial system in their infancy. And in their middle years, they still don't. But when they develop pancreatic disease, when they develop problems with thyroid function, when they develop problems with their adrenal glands, or when they develop intestinal failure, those animals get the same kind of saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol damage that humans do. And that's why when dogs develop heart disease or cats develop heart disease or they develop intestinal disorders or they develop pancreatitis or they develop pancreatic failure or thyroid failure, then they start developing the same kind of arterial disease very rapidly that humans do from eating these foods. Now, the chemical drug industry knows this. The pharmaceutical industry, the chemical pharmaceutical industry knows this. And they prey upon people and sick dogs and cats that develop diseases from consuming animal products, but especially the ones that are tainted with various additional chemicals and pharmaceuticals like steroid hormones, 
um, antibiotics, other chemicals that are put in the feed to make the animals grow faster, pink slime, sick animals with various pathologies, you know, because the, the, the slaughter industry does not waste anything. You may have heard that term in the slaughter industry. And a lot of people recite this phrase, nothing goes to waste. And it's true, nothing goes to waste. So all the parts of animals that cannot be consumed as protein products are used in other ways. Well, we know about gelatin, you know, the hooves, the cartilage of cows, pigs, chickens, fish, you know, their bone structure. That becomes the um, stuff of gel caps and of gelatin and um, other entities, including carcass parts and heads and, you know, brains and other entities. They go back into the feed, okay? Nothing goes to waste. So at the slaughterhouses, the baby male lambs, for example, that are born on slaughter floors are ground up and they become the flesh of lamb-based dog and cat foods. Okay, so that's what they call lamb and dog and cat foods, the baby lambs that are born on the slaughter floors while their mothers are being hacked apart. But in addition, the pharmaceutical industry, the chemical pharmaceutical industry, tests on animals by the, by the billions probably every year in these phony, horrific tests, you know, on mice and on rats and dogs and cats and uh, chimpanzees and other, you know, primates um, uh, and other mammals. You know, so these animals don't go to waste either, even though they've been, you know, injected with pathogens or they've been forced to consume pathogens. Those are pathogens are disease causing entities. But here's the rationalization for nothing goes where, to waste. Where do they where do they go? They go into dog food, cat food. Uh, they go into animal feed. So all the lab animals that have been made sick are also ground up for animal feed, even though they're, they've been made sick with various pathogens or they've been gassed or euthanized with lethal poisons, euthanizing agents like phenobarbital. Um, they get thrown in. Uh, so the grinders. Is, this, is with, what's, this is what's fed to the animals people are yeah. eating. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, you you are okay. you are what you eat, or you are whom you eat, and you are, you know, what whom you eat eats. What who you Ex- eat. Yeah. Is it? It's a wonder that humans that are carnivorous in a are country alive. like Canada or the United States or Europe, for that matter, or you know any of the Western countries or first world countries or developed nations. It's a wonder that we live as long as we do eating the flesh of animals. Now, we don't. I mean, you know, you and I don't, but 
a lot of people do here, and it's amazing to me that they live as long as they do. But guess what is happening? This is what is happening, that people are actually dying sooner. You know, for the past two years, the Center for Disease Control statistics show that people are actually dying at earlier ages now and that we're dying in greater numbers at earlier ages because of all the contaminants that are fed to animals that people are eating. So not only are we eating, I'm talking about carnivorous people, not only are carnivorous people or flesh-eating people. Mistakenly carnivorous. Yeah, mistakenly carnivorous people eating the flesh of the innocent, um, which they shouldn't be because it destroys their arterial system and all the organs that the arterial system feeds. So it's not just the heart. It's not just the brain. It's the joint tissue. It's the skin. It makes us ugly, okay? Eating flesh makes us ugly. And it also makes us much more toxic and much more likely to die from cancers, other forms of organ failure, because all our organs, you know, the liver, the kidneys, of course, I mentioned the adrenal glands before, those are attached to the kidneys, the brain, the thyroid, they all depend on normal blood flow, and it's progressively being restricted, plus the fact that all these toxins deposit inside the organs and that damages them, you know, including, you know, the immune system. And that's why so many people here are dying with cancers. And I mentioned already, of course, the leading cause of death here is heart disease, stroke. Mm -hmm. And when you have a heart attack, you have a stroke at the same time. Because once the heart can't pump adequately to the brain, then the brain fails and it develops a stroke or hypoxia, low blood oxygen. Sometimes they call it a transient ischemic attack, but it's a stroke. So whether it's an embolism that forms from saturated animal fat or LDL and LDL cholesterol, or whether the heart stops pumping adequately, you know, strokes are very common and multiple strokes occur in people that develop dementia, which is rampant here. Alzheimer's disease, rampant, because of all the damage done by consuming, you know, a flesh-based, saturated animal fat, LDL cholesterol-laden diet. And I want folks to, to remember here that you only get saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol through five types of foods. These are the only foods that contain saturated animal fat and LDL cholesterol. That is meat, poultry, fish, dairy, and eggs. But uh, the chemical drug industry is very greedy, just like the slaughter industry, and they work hand-in-hand to rob us and our dogs and cats of their health. They want to steal our health. Why? Because they know that if people get sick or their dogs and cats get sick, they go to the drug salesman. And who are they? 
Well, the medical doctors, the doctors of osteopathy, and the veterinarians, they're the drug salespeople. So when your dog or cat gets sick from eating toxic food or you get sick or, you know, your parents get sick, where do they go? They go to the medical doctor or they take their dog or cat to the veterinarian and they get sold more chemical drugs. And that is the paradigm. The more toxic they make meat, poultry, fish, dairy, and eggs here, the more toxic they make pet food, the, the more likely it is that people will go to visit their doctors and buy more drugs from the very same people that are making the meat, poultry, fish, dairy, and eggs, and the pet food toxic. They're going to buy more drugs from these same people. So it's, it's a closed cycle. It's a paradigm. The sicker the meat, poultry, fish, dairy, and eggs, the sicker the pet food, the more business the the chemical drug industry makes. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes profits. It makes profits. It makes profitable sense. That's right. And in the good old USA, when you're talking about developed nations, USA isn't the only one, of course. It's all about money. Mm. All about money. So you couldn't pick a safer time. You couldn't pick a safer time than right now to go vegan because what they're feeding these animals is beyond belief. It, it's, I mean, a lot of people say to me, well, how, how can they have, it's unconscionable to take, you know, an orangutan or a chimpanzee after it's been, you know, made to be very sick or dead from disease and then grind its remains and put it in animal feed or pet food. But that's exactly what's happening. Not to mention now, what, the horses. What, what, you, you, you have some, yeah, you, you, and, and you say horses are being ground also. The, yeah, the oh yeah, horses and donkeys and you name it, you know. I mean, uh, so, I, I work with the suppliers. I work with the suppliers in the industry. I'm coming sort of from inside the industry in a way because I work with the suppliers of the feed ingredients. And, you know, when I talk to these guys, they tell me. they let, It slips out. It's in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, will your FDA agent or will your AFCO representative or your veterinarian or your medical doctor tell you things like this? No. Probably not. You you said you have on on the website, uh, you you followed the trail. Um, Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Veterinarian I work with and some of her cohorts followed now we're in minnesota okay so we have a city kill shelter here like they have all over the country and some people have asked me well eric why is it that the government doesn't step up and really turn these kill shelters 
into sanctuaries and stop the dog and cat breeders from breeding. Why is that? Well, the answer is simple. Because they're using those animals, the overbreeding of dogs and cats, to be a subsidy for the slaughter industry, pet food part and the animal feed part. Okay? And they don't have to define them on the label. They can call them something else, like animal byproducts, meat byproducts, meat, you know, not defined, you know. That's what they can call it. Mm-hmm. Poultry byproducts, you know, the pigeons that they kill in the, you know, in the shopping malls and the downtown cores, the seagulls that they poison, they can be ground up for animal feed and pet food. You know, like I said, everybody's heard these words, nothing goes to waste. And that's now, the now you're saying you, we, we were following the, the you you were following uh, you have a video what what was that then you said you were well, following on on my on our web on my website at weismannutrition.com we have a video spell Weisman for people W E I S M A N nutrition.com W-E-I-S-M-A-N, nutrition.com, one word. Okay, and if you go to that website, it talks about some of the work, you know, I do with, you know, very sick dogs and cats and humans and how we assist various sanctuaries around the country with either inexpensive or at-cost or below-cost pet food and how we help them with their sick animals using supplement formulations instead of chemical drugs. We've done it for 28 years. When I, when I first started, I can tell you this, that the federal and state governments are very protective of the meat, poultry, fish, dairy, egg industry and the chemical drug industry because really they are the industry. The right, exactly. the the government is run by these corporations. It, and what, it, what they make the public think is that the FDA and the, and the um, State Departments of Health and Agriculture are really enforcing laws and policing these, these um, you know, companies and, or industries. But what, they, what the government really is, is a shill. It's a front for the horrible things that they do. And the government really covers up these heinous acts. Like I said, it's if there, you ask... They're there to protect the violators. They're there to protect the violators. How do you think all these heinous crimes occur against these poor animals every day by the millions, just in the United States alone? All the mm-hmm. All the torturing and all the you know, horrible living conditions, you know, worse, uh, easily as bad or worse than any Nazi concentration camp ever conceived. You know, when you go through these animal farms and seeing these poor animals living in absolute filth and squalor, 
and and very toxic, by the way. And then they resell these butchered animals, you know, back to the public, full of sewage and sewage residuals, plus all the chemicals and drugs. And then they run them under depleted uranium. So, you know, when these people are buying chicken or poultry or fish or dairy, um, I don't know about dairy. Um, I do know that meat, poultry, fish products here are all run under depleted uranium. They all get sodium nitrate, which is a potent cancer-causing agent. And some, you know, they use insect blood to color meat so that it looks pink or bright red, you know, which is not the real color of meat. They use insect blood to color it and make it look red. But the are, reality are you grossed is, out enough yet to go vegan? Are you grossed out yet enough to go vegan? That's that's uh, the question. Now, depleted uranium, I thought that was just for the war in Iraq. Uh, no, uh, but no, no. We, we, we found a good domestic use for uh, uh, nuking the public, apparently, right? I mean, that's... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You, want, you, want them, you want them to have every chance to get as sick as you can so they buy as many chemical drugs as you can get them to buy. That's what it now, boils the depl- down to. The depleted uranium, we're saying that, that, that the food products, the animals are uh, irradiated. Is that the term used for the depleted, yeah, depleted irradiated. uranium? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, wow. So yeah. uh, that's, that's amazing. So, um, but we, uh, we got a little off uh, track because we were going to Weissman Nutrition and there was a video there. Yes, of dogs of dogs being ground up for animal feed and pet food. So, so the, you, you follow the, the trail of uh, dogs being ground up and going to a, uh, a pet food manufacturer? Is that... No, just being ground up. They also grind them for soap, you know, unfortunately. But did, did, didn't somebody follow them? Uh, didn't somebody follow the... Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the veterinarian. Do I have to tell you what's on your website? Do I have to tell your story for you here? So what? what? No, no, tell me. Yeah, tell the me. veterinarian that I work with mostly, you know, with the um, dogs and cats that we rescue and, you know, neuter and spay. You know, we, my, my dearly beloved and I, my wife, and I have been rescuing dogs and cats um, for about 20 years. And... Uh, Prior to that, I was rescuing with my former girlfriend. And, uh, you know, we have a vet that we work with mostly, although I, I used different, I've used different veterinarians for different circumstances, but she's the one we use mostly. But she followed the trucks, the truck, sorry, truck from the city kill shelter in St. Paul to the grinding plant where they, you know, grind the dogs and cats for pet food and then followed the truck from the grinding plant to the pet food plant, you know. Mm. So, anyway. So, yeah. dogs and she and was shocked herself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Well, dogs, cats, rabbits, ferrets, any, everything and anything that are, are dropped off at the city pound or that they catch, you know, mm-hmm. the Nazis at the city kill shelters. 
around the country. Um, dogs, cats, rabbits, other other pets, you know, gerbils, whatever. Whatever they turn in, you know, they're ground up. Nothing goes to waste. But that includes the euthanizing agents they use to kill these animals. So the euthanizing, you know, whether it's, the euthanizing whether agent it's, goes into the uh, pet food and the uh, and, yeah, and, uh, exactly. feed, f- yeah. feed, feed for animals people eat. Uh, so, yeah. and, and, uh, t- t- so you can, in a time like this, in a time where, you know, government is has been taken over totally, almost totally, by industry, and they have a thug like Donald Trump. You know, he's, I admit, it, the guy's a shill. He's a front for the, you know, corporate America, so to speak. You know, and he doesn't have that much power. But they want to make it look like this guy has huge power. <laughs> and they want to make it look like the Senate and the Congress have huge power when really they're totally beholden to industry. They're doing exactly what industry wants them to do. There couldn't be a more important time in people's lives in this country, for sure, to go vegan for themselves and for their pets. Because what's going to go down in the next, over the next four years is going to be, well... Shocking as, as, and as, as bad as as bad as has been over the last eight years. Oh Obama, yeah, so. and it's been bad. Uh, I admit, he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, it's been bad. Horrible. What? what uh, it's downright scary. What's going to happen now? And I think this is good for the movement because I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that industry runs the U.S. government. That's really important to understand, and that the government acts as a front for industry, making it look like they're doing all this code enforcement when nothing could be further from the facts. Too bad they didn't wake up eight years ago. Right, right. But I guess any time is a good enough time, uh, you know, any time yeah. like the present. I just wanted to ask you about one more thing. Um, in case we haven't really grossed out people enough to chase them away from consuming meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. buying typical commercial uh, pet food for their companion animals, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, you know, sometimes it, it, it seems like we're, we're a nation that just—I don't know—it seems like a you know a satanic blood cult, a carn- you know, cannibalistic. You know, we're being run by people who just want flesh and blood. And what about? Uh, yeah, we we heard about uh, spirit cooking and John Podesta and all sorts of strange ingredients, which really, when you think about uh, the, the normal, the, the everyday Americans' breakfast, lunch, and dinner, is really just as as scary uh, and and grotesque as as that spirit cooking. But but what about cooked blood? Cooked blood itself. Uh, yeah, it sounds um, like sounds like a delicacy to to many people. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. What what about that? Well, how about or blood sausage that was considered that's considered a delicacy still in the UK to some people right. and Scotland right. they eat blood pudding 
But um, what, what about, they cook what about cooked blood? Blood and uh, you know, blood entities. You know, parts of blood um, are used for pet food. Um, blood can be used as a palatant. It's a, obviously as, containing as a protein. What, what, what was uh, the big word you used there? Palatant. What? It means flavor enhancer. So some people so, get, you know, kibbles and bits and these varied colored cat foods and dog foods with different colorful uh, kibbles. Well, those kibbles are often, you know, colored with blood. That's how they get that red color, that dark brown red color from blood, mm. animal blood. Mm. Cooked, cooked mm. animal blood. At least they cook it, I guess. That's their rationalization. They cook it to kill I the bacteria. I want to suck your blood. I want to suck yeah. your blood. Yeah, Well, and then there's yeah. blood in, in dairy and, and cow's milk anyway, so, you know. Yeah, we're there's a blood, blood, there's What pus. happened? We're a blood-sucking, yeah, blood and pus. We're a blood-sucking nation here, apparently. So uh, maybe yeah. maybe that's uh, that maybe it shows in our behavior. Um, so. Yeah, no, nothing goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste. So uh, you do have an alternative. Uh, evolution, dog and cat food. There are uh, vegan, you know, there's, there's vegan dog and, we're and cat not the, food out there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But I, w I urge people listening to buy from vegan companies. There's Ami, there's Bonovo, there's V-Dog, of course, Evolution. If you go to our website at W www.petfoodshop.com you can get a first time deal on our pet food we help the poor people in our area that can't afford pet food we give them pet food free pet food donations if you're in the St. Paul Minneapolis area and you're poor you can come to us we'll give you free food um, we also help people with their sick dogs and cats and humans. We do supplement formulation technology rather than using chemical drugs. We don't do the bizarre biased um, vivisection experiments that the chemical drug industry does, um, killing, torturing and killing millions of animals every month. Um, we do home experiments and we've done them for a good uh, 28 years, 28 years. Um, going in, we're in our 28th year, I should say. Okay, so if you're interested at all, you have a sick dog or cat, we do free consultations. Um, if you have a sick human, we do some of the same supplement formulations for humans as we do in dogs and cats. And we have sworn statements from people we have assisted from around the United States on our WeissmanNutrition.com website. If you're just interested in pet food, um, go, please go to our um, www.PetFoodShop.com website. If you're a first-time buyer, you can get 25% off your first dry pet food purchase by calling our number. And we hope you will. 
We hope you will. We hope you'll make the switch because there is no more important time than right now to switch to vegan for you and for your pets. I'm talking not just about the ethical concerns of the horrific conditions these poor animals live in and are are killed in, but also for your own benefit, for your own health and the health of your dog, cat, ferret, or whatever pet you've got. And you're always welcome to call us for a free consultation and evaluation. At 651-221-9056. All right. Repeat the number. 651-221-9056. And uh, I want to, of course, thank Bob for the incredible job he's doing. And uh, I hope that you all listen to Bob because Bob is as amazing guts and tenacity to do this. And uh, I hope you'll back him in his tremendous um, mission in converting people to going vegan and their pets to going vegan. Nothing could be more important for our safety and to perpetuate our planet and all the little animals and big animals on the planet. Nothing could be more important than this message. Thank you, Bob. Thanks okay, for all well, you do. And, and thank you, Eric, for the uh, valuable uh, products and services that, that you provide, invaluable. Um, and uh, we appreciate all you do, too. So, uh, again, okay. PetFoodShop.com. Thanks uh, for being with us today, Eric Weissman. We really appreciate your being uh, with us here and Daisy certainly appreciates you because she uh, she loves evolution it's her favorite as I said she's she's loved the cans and now she tried uh, the new uh, the new flavor apparently she's she's liking the kibble so that, that's okay that's great too, so. all right okay well, thanks to all soon. of you for listening I really appreciate it and I know Bob does too hope you have a great new year thank you okay Thank you, Eric Weissman. And again, that's uh, Weissman Nutrition, um, the website, WeissmanNutrition.com. So, um, oh, I uh, do want to put in a good word for uh, Vegetarian House. Uh, you know, we, uh, we want to support our vegan businesses, vegan uh, dog and cat food companies, and uh, vegan restaurants. And one of the best in the world is Vegetarian House. It's at 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. So if you're fortunate enough to be in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, you have one of the great vegan restaurants in the world there. Um, you sacrifice nothing and no one by going vegan. Check out the menu at vegetarianhouse.us. Um, also, Vegetarian House caters. So if you have uh, a business event coming up, a social event, you're getting married, the food has to be great. Um, Check out Vegetarian House, vegetarianhouse.us. Again, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. We are listener-supported. That means you, if you're listening, it would be great if you would make a tax-deductible donation at goveganradio.com. We would greatly appreciate that. And uh, if you represent vegan and cruelty-free products and services and uh, might uh, have an interest in sponsorship, We welcome your inquiries.
Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter, at GoVeganRadio. Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, the two Bob Linden pages. So uh, please be my friend. Um, so I'd um, like to uh, give a shout-out to our friends at the Stanford Inn by the Sea. Stanford Inn by the Sea is America's only vegan eco-resort. So uh, if you're looking to get away from it all, you want to go to someplace vegan with a spectacular vegan restaurant. So um, that's the place you want to be, the Stanford Inn, Raven's Restaurant. So it has the organic gardens there that uh, provide the food on the table at the Ravens. There's dining at the Ravens, which is the cookbook from the... um, Owners of the Stanford Inn, Jeff and Joan Stanford, dining at the Ravens, all the recipes that they have at the restaurant there. Check out the website. So this is on the Mendocino Coast, Northern California, Stanford Inn by the Sea. Go to StanfordInn.com. Check out, look, I mean, these rooms look so great and, you know, all these programs that go on there from yoga and massage and you can... uh, kayak you can um, take a take a bike ride uh, just hang out the wellness program there's just a lot arts and you know arts program going on there just check out the website companion animals are welcome uh, one of these days when I when I take a little vacation 16 has the, have we had a vacation in 16 years I don't know Daisy we we might need to get away to the Stanford Inn oh look at how delicious the food looks at the Ravens restaurant so Check it out, America's only vegan eco-resort, the Stanford Inn, stanfordinn.com. Also, um, thanks to Health Aid Kombucha, which uh, we're uh, loving a lot. So many different flavors. Just uh, check out your uh, local natural food store. Health Aid is becoming really popular because it tastes so good. You know, it's organic and vegan and made in small batches. A dark glass bottle. Just uh, check out Health Aid. So, anyway, uh, apparently, uh, apparently, uh, actually, ironically, let's say, not say uh, apparently, but ironically, let me change adverbs there. Um, ironically, um, I was interviewed by Plant Based News. If you heard the beginning of our program today, um, you know that uh, I find the term plant-based uh, annoying and vague, and uh, I think I did. I, I officially declared it uh, dead uh, because dead food can be part of a plant-based diet if we if we're only minimizing meat, dairy, fish, and eggs and not eliminating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. Um, I you know what kind of term is plant-based anyway? We. Let's be vegan. But I'm thankful to Plant-Based News for this uh, this interview. And apparently uh, people are finding it interesting, um, the video. I Actually, I really find it hard for me to, uh, to watch or listen to myself. And so, therefore, you, you have to do that for me. I have to force you to do that so I, I can avoid me uh, at all costs. So, 
I think what I want to do is actually um, play the audio now. And if you want to see me, I, I, apparently, you know, it's getting thousands and thousands of views, probably because of Daisy. That's really what it is. I'm, I'm the guy with Daisy. Um, but you can check it out if you go to YouTube and you look for, if, if you search for everything wrong with animal rights. Everything wrong with animal rights. And uh, there I will be with Daisy. Uh, and I will be there saying something like this. Oops. Meatless Mondays uh, are a disaster. The egg industry, the president of the egg board, thanks the people who participate in Meatless Mondays for the highest egg sales in 30 years. Because people don't hear Vegan Mondays, they hear Meatless Mondays. So they eat more uh, eggs and dairy. And then on Tuesday, it's pile on the meat, you know, twice as much because I deprived myself yesterday on Monday. But, but what is our message? If it is life and death, and I see all animal products, <coughs> all animal products have certain ingredients in them. They are rape, uh, confinement, prison, mutilation, and murder. All animal products, you know, stamp them humane, happy meat, happy eggs, whatever. You know, every, every slice of cheese, every glass of milk starts with the rape of a cow. The, the, there are connections to all social justice issues here. If we're against oppression of females, you know, let's look at the rape of a cow. Every single cow has to be raped to produce dairy, to produce a baby. The baby is kidnapped. The, the, the mother and baby cry for each other, you know? I mean, the baby becomes veal, the mother becomes hamburger. So, in essence, I'm saying, well, when I continued to drink milk and have dairy as a vegetarian, I really wasn't doing anything. I mean, it was, it was forward thinking, but backward action. I, 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 you know, I, I didn't know the full story. Cesar Chavez, a great vegan hero, said that, you know, if you're concerned about animals, you stop the dairy uh, and eggs first, you know, so, uh, so there's that. Uh, Meatless Mondays is a message to say, be moral one day of the week, Monday, don't participate in, in rape, torture, murder, imprisonment, you know, just, that's fine, one day of the week, the other six days, have at it and uh, finance uh, finance the terror. So, uh, you know, if, if it's a moral issue, we have to remove ourselves from the violence and killing right away and recognize that. Now, you know, it's it's very easy when when we when we're oppressed, when we feel oppressed, when you know we have low minimum wage. Oh, you know, we're oppressed. You know, so so you know we can feel that. You know, but. We, we don't realize when we are oppressing others. And I think that's, that's the point here is to wake up and recognize, wow, we're, we're part of the oppression. And, and in the progressive community, it's still the acceptable, uh, you know, the acceptable oppression. But we, we must move ourselves from the uh, oppression. And, and that means Meatless Mondays, no, has to be Vegan Monday and then Vegan Tuesday through Sunday in addition to that. So now, uh, in, in, in terms of lab meat, I am so against consumption of so-called meat, uh, against consumption of animals. Um, and I was dismayed to see um, that Farm, the organizer of this so-called uh, animal rights conference, which uh, 
I, I feel is a total betrayal of the animals that basically showcases uh, really the, the sellouts. The, um, so so uh, Farm uh, promoted uh, its animal rights conference with a link to something that said, meat is delicious and we're not going to stop eating it. So I really don't think that's a very good position for any animal advocate, vegan, anybody concerned about animals uh, to express that thought. So then we see uh, what the meat is and it says 100% meat. Uh, it says 100% meat, 0% suffering. Well, once again, we're being misled by the animal rights industry, just like when it misled us into furnished battery cages. Right, right. You know, it, it, all of these groups opposed furnished battery cages. Farm Sanctuary, Mercy for Animals, HSUS. They were always opposed to furnished modified battery cages, saying they were unacceptable psychologically, physically uh, to the birds. And then all of these groups enter, a, enter into a partnership with the United Egg Producers and they're telling everybody, oh, now hens can engage in natural behaviors, you know, so, and they're so deceptive, they said, end barren battery cages. So people thought, oh, we are ending uh, battery cages. No, we were just ending that battery cages were barren because now we're going to shove a stick in it and call it a perch. We'll throw some wood shavings in and call it a bird bath. And suddenly it's enriched colony housing. Who can be against enriched colony housing? It's all so deceptive, you know. So, um, so now we have this uh, uh, lab meat, this uh, cultured meat, and we get it from Mercy for Animals once again. Um, one of the great animal betrayal specialists um, with its Good Food Institute promoting this biotech nightmare, this, this lab meat. Okay, well, let's start off with uh, uh, from where does this lab meat come? Uh, well, we, there, there will be donor animals. So there'll still be farms, you know, with, with animals. Uh, how are they born? Are they raped? Where are they uh, given sanctuary for life? And we're told that there'll be varieties. So if you want a certain kind of chicken, so-called meat, you get it from these, you, get, you know. So um, now these cells have to be fed with uh, a, a solution. It's the, um, it's, it's the blood from unborn baby cows. So that's what's being used to, to feed these cells now. This is so experimental. But what I find amazing about all of this, as animal rights advocates move away from promoting veganism, or never promote veganism, and I, and I might say that, that these groups are very rich. The Humane Society of the United States has a couple of hundred million dollars in the bank. It gets donations of, what, 130, 140 million every year. You see Mercy for Animals getting a million dollars to promote uh, cage-free eggs and uh, the Humane League getting a million dollars to promote cage-free eggs. All of this money has been diverted away from doing anything um, really um, substantial for animals like promoting veganism. All of that money has been diverted. <coughs> The Humane Society of the United States and Humane Society International is part of a uh, worldwide, a, a global livestock alliance to try to meet the growth of 50% demand in uh, a seven. They want to reach a 70% increase demand for meat by 2050. That's part of HSUS and, 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 and all of these groups together. So. Um, 
these organizations are basically sellouts. They're they're animal betrayal specialists at this point. I, I really don't know what happened. You know, I I, I object to the term uh, plant based. Also, that's something that makes me cringe. But when I look at the uh, so-called animal rights movement, I believe that it is plant based in that. Uh, there are plants from the meat industry everywhere controlling it. The Humane Society of the United States uh, has been run by a pig farmer vice president, somebody who killed 50,000 pigs annually. That, that's who management is at the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, HSUS has distributed bacon coupons for, for dead uh, pig flesh. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. You can see Wayne Pacelli sitting with Paul Shapiro, Wayne Pacelli of HSUS, Paul Shapiro, the vice president of farm animal protection. Well, that's a joke. Um, his percentage of protect, pr protection is zero. He's, he's batting zero. Uh, HSUS accepted $500,000 to promote cage-free eggs and put a happy face on the killing of every single male bird born immediately. Um, ground alive or suffocated, we should be, if we're going to sell cage-free eggs to the public, let's be honest about what it is. So, hey, here's a campaign, join us. Every single male baby bird will be killed immediately, ground alive, suffocated. Every female will be mutilated, her beak <laughs> chopped off, um, and uh, they will be harshly imprisoned. Uh, so they will be tortured, imprisoned, mutilated, and murdered. Every single uh, one of the constituents of HSUS, Paul Shapiro, uh, Vice President of Farm Animal, Animal Protection, everyone he's protecting is killed. 100%. Nobody gets out alive. So what's the point of cage-free eggs when all of these groups, when these groups used to oppose cage-free eggs? HSUS received $500,000 from the Open Philanthropy Project. Mercy for Animals received a million dollars from the Open Philanthropy Project to promote cage-free eggs. So you get a million dollars, are your priorities promoting cage-free eggs or veganism? And these groups have moved away from the term veganism anyway. They don't tell anybody to go vegan. They say go vegetarian, which is a term that's, that's compromised now. Uh, maybe years ago people thought vegetarian could mean vegan, but you know, years ago there was an asterisk. You might be lacto-vegetarian, or you might be ovo-vegetarian, lacto-ovo, those asterisks to show you know, your, your lapse in morality or you know, your, your cheating. <laughs> now people hear vegetarian, they think, well, I can have uh, a cheese omelet and a glass of milk and a bowl of yogurt and I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so it, it makes no sense. Ben and Jerry's uh, decided to add vegan flavors, um, which I, I would never go to Ben and Jerry's. And I, I can't understand why vegans get so excited. And then suddenly Ben and Jerry's are good guys. Here they are, you know, with, with mass killing of cows, rape of, rape of cows, but they, they, they throw the vegans a bone with a vegan flavor and suddenly, ah, oh, we love Ben and Jerry's. Well, not I. Um, and, you know, for, for, for business purposes, I mean, Bill Gates is uh, investing in vegan foods uh, and now Tyson's with uh, a percentage in, in Beyond Meat. So uh, they, they see that there's profit there. Uh, wasn't it, uh, it was uh, Dean Dairy years ago that bought uh, Silk, uh, the, the vegan milk. So it's, it's hard to keep up with all the sales, but it's big business. People want good vegan food. So uh, Tyson is, uh, is 
looking to increase its revenues, but that doesn't make Tyson a good guy. Uh, Tyson is still a mass killer of uh, chickens and pigs and cows, um, even though, you know, again, the, these uh, so-called animal rights organizations, these sellouts, these animal betrayal specialists, somehow um, glorify these companies for promises in the future that they will uh, never deliver and if they do, it will be equally bad for animals. So, mercy for animals, praise Tyson. Tyson did a turnaround. I don't know, it promised uh, uh, that down the road some years, uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be uh, using pigs from gestation crates or, you know, but there's always an asterisk that, that comes along with this. Like, if you read the fine print, they'll say something like, well, we will no longer use pigs from gestation crates in our, in our company-owned farms. And then you read the fine print and you say, they don't own any farms. They, they contract out with all of these farms. You know, there are always asterisks, you know, uh, they're, they're, uh, except for research, except for, you know, at the time before going to slaughter. So um, I, I don't really understand why uh, any of these organizations put up the logos and glorify people like McDonald's. Now everybody loves McDonald's because McDonald's promised in 10 years to go all cage-free eggs. So your Egg McMuffin will come from uh, the slaughter of every baby male ground alive and suffocated, every female having a beak chopped off. And, you know, and, and to say cage-free, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're putting a happy face on, on horror. Cage-free? Well, they could be in a shed with tens of thousands of other birds, you know, uh, with pecking orders, horrible lives, you know, all over each other. So that's no improvement. But in our minds, we, we want to create these uh, victories in our minds. And because things are so, so terrible, we have to make up something that something's happening soon, you know, some, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the only solution is really that we go vegan and, you know, Sorry if that's not as glamorous and it's, it's harder work, but it's the only solution. In, in California, we had Proposition 2. Proposition 2 was uh, the Protection of Farm Animal Cruelty Act. Uh, and uh, it mandated that uh, animals, chickens, uh, would have enough room to spread their wings and turn around. Um, and right now, the same bogus campaign is happening in Massachusetts with question three. They're asking people to vote yes on question three to prevent farm animal cruelty, which is basically uh, saying again, don't, shouldn't they just have enough room to turn around to spread their wings? To spread their wings? So in California, nobody knew what it meant. So it passed here because, oh, who doesn't want to prevent farm animal cruelty and then go ahead and keep eating eggs and hamburgers and chicken and all of that. So it uh, did nothing to prevent farm animal cruelty. And in fact, in California, um, the questions were asked, what does this mean? When we say a chicken should be able to spread her wings, does that mean all the chickens in, in the cage at once? 
or one at a time, or you know. And then, where are all the inspectors? Is California going to hire an army of, of chicken space inspectors with, with rulers and tape measures, you know, to say what? And, and this is how it was sold to me. I was still talking to HSUS at the time. They wanted me to support Proposition 2. And Paul Shapiro said, well, what this is about is right now hens have about eight and a half inches by 11 inches of space. With Proposition 2, they'll have 12 inches by 12 inches. You know, so it's like, you know, do, do the arts and crafts project. Uh, the difference between eight and a half by 11 and 12 and 12 is minuscule. And who is going to enforce it? You know, it, it, it just made no sense. But then in the media, it was all chickens have it great in California. Things are fantastic. And we go on and eat chickens and we don't go vegan. And that's the same thing that's happening right now in Massachusetts. They're saying prevent farm animal cruelty. Now, it doesn't prevent, again, it doesn't prevent the rape, the artificial insemination. It doesn't prevent the kidnapping, mutilation, imprisonment, or murder of one animal. Yet it's being sold to us as prevent farm animal cruelty. This is so deceptive. I mean, I'm, I'm in despair over the, the deception that's, uh, you know, misleading the public. With, with all this propaganda, the animals don't have a chance. What I find amazing is everybody is concerned about climate change. Everybody. It's all over the media, political campaigns. And yet vegans have the only solution to climate change. Climate change is caused by animal agriculture. Animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change. The production and demand for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs are the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Now, we hear this from the world's top climate specialists, Robert Goodland and Jeffrey Anhang at the World Bank. They, they have the only peer-reviewed, scientifically accepted assessment of animal agriculture and climate change. And those top climate specialists tell us that the only solution for climate change is a massive shift to veganism. We need 50 to 85 percent of the population shifting away from so-called livestock products to veganism by 2020. So if we are animal advocates, we have the top ammunition on our side. The, we have the only solution to climate change. Now, people are going to say, no, no, that's not the only solution. Alternative energy is the solution. Well, alternative energy would take 20 years and $35 trillion for, you know, for a new alternative energy infrastructure. We all need to go vegan now to save the planet, to save the animals and people's lives. You know, we're concerned about our, our health care plan, you know, our health crises and health care costs. Well, Look at uh, the, the effects of consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes. T. Colin Campbell on my radio program said, I believe he said it was at least 80%. He might have said at least 90%, but he said at least 80% of fatal degenerative disease is caused by animal protein and not much of it. So we have all the arguments on our side. Why are we running away from helping people go vegan, and we're running two cage-free eggs. We're running two lab meat. It just makes no sense, so I, I, I don't understand it. So um, that's why I took it upon myself to organize the World Vegan Summit and Expo, so, you know, for vegan activism, where we could get together and you know, strategize on how can we help everybody go vegan. This is the main cause. It's really uh, the only cause.
So we had that. We had the first ever vegan because we care walk through the streets of Berkeley. And uh, we had Soul Food for Thought, which was uh, a program of vegan outreach to people of color. I mean, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be promoting veganism to everyone, you know, dogs and cats. Daisy is vegan. She loves evolution dog food, you know. But uh, what, what are we doing not helping people go vegan when communities of color are, are in health crisis also? When, when we look at climate change, deforestation, resource depletion, uh, you know, all the catastrophes that come with climate change, and we vegans aren't helping people go vegan. We're running from the word vegan because, oh, it's too hard. Pe people will never go vegan. It's too hard. Well, I went vegan. I ate meat every day of my life. I won a hamburger eating contest when I was age 16. But, it, you know, it occurred to me. So, so what's with this arrogance? You know, we, we don't think other people will get it. We, who are we to deprive people of the information that saves their lives, that saves their children, and saves the planet? The only way to save the planet. Okay, again, that was I, interviewed by Plant-Based News, and I've linked to that. It's on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, if you want to search for everything wrong with animal rights, I've also posted that on my Twitter, at GoVeganRadio, also at GoVeganRadio on Facebook, and the two Bob Linden pages. And uh, if you have a reaction to it, you can email me, bob at goveganradio.com. Uh, as I mentioned, we are now um, at our 16th anniversary on air, listener-supported Go Vegan Radio. If you're listening, you're a listener. Have you supported us over the past 16 years? How about starting now, going to goveganradio.com and finding that uh, donate button there. Uh, we are the only program in all of Metea to address climate change in a very special way. Well, everybody else complains about it and offers uh, solutions that aren't solutions. We do believe we have the solution that is the solution, or at least we'll tell you what the world's top climate specialists say the solution is. And... Uh, you might think I'm biased toward mentioning it, but the solution is we need a population shift to veganism. We need a 50 to 85% population shift to vegan away from so-called livestock products by 2020, or um, studies say 1,700 U.S. cities face submersion in the not-too-distant future. Um, along with the, the usual, uh, you know, regular old catastrophes we're finding every year right now. And uh, it does seem that 2016 was the hottest year. Um, looking at Live Science again, which has a lot of climate news, it says, heat record, how NASA knows 2016 was the hottest year. And... Uh, it says the year 2016 was the warmest year in uh, the modern record. NASA and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, uh, officials said on January 18th. And here's how they calculated that factoid. Uh, it says in a news conference, NASA and NOAA released independent analyses of global temperatures that each came to the same conclusion. 
2016 is very likely the hottest year on record, followed by 2015, and then 2014. Do we see a pattern here? Um, quote, you're seeing warmth throughout the world, higher on land than in the ocean, higher in the northern hemisphere than the southern hemisphere, higher in the Arctic, uh, most of all, and patterns that we have grown quite familiar with both in modeling uh, and in observation. Gavin Schmidt, director of NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York, said during the conference, uh, scroll down, measurements in agreement. NASA and NOAA both found a high likelihood that 2016 was the hottest year, a 96% chance, according to NASA, and a 62% chance, according to NOAA. The only other contender with uh, much lower probability was 2015. So the differing estimates come from different extrapolations of data about the warming Arctic. The region has warmed significantly, the panelists said, and uh, how that is uh, quantified can have a big effect on the average. But overall, the estimates are very similar, they said. So if you look at what they're saying, you see what they're saying. Uh, 2016, the hottest year. 2015, runner-up. Uh, 2014, coming in third. What do we think about 2017? What do we think about uh, Vegan Vision 2020? The vision has to be we uh, you know, go uh, need that population shift to go vegan uh, by 2020. Uh, but, but why wait? Why, why, not, uh, why not start now? And uh, you know, by the way, as I've been requesting that we discard the term plant-based, I often see that animal advocates quote a very flawed UN report by the Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO, which is a branch of the livestock industry. So it uh, presented a very flawed assessment of the impact of animal agriculture on climate, claiming that animal agriculture is only responsible for 18% of all human-caused greenhouse gas emissions, only 18%. Uh, and that's an admission from the meat industry uh, in the form of the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. Um, that 18% is significant. It's, it's, it's more than all transportation combined, even at that lower flawed estimate at 18%. It's more than all cars, boats, planes, trucks, you name it. Um, and uh, then the FAO and, and the UN decided, you know, that 18% doesn't really reflect that well upon us. It, maybe, we, maybe we made up something that was too high. Let's, uh, let's bring it down to about 14% for no reason other than it sounds better for the meat industry if it's only 14%. Uh, there seems to be no scientific basis or explanation for uh, the uh, yeah, for for for, for uh, <laughs> what what they've uh, 
now offered as estimates, but the Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO from the UN, is a partner with uh, livestock associations all around the world, uh, including the Humane Society of the United States and its Humane Society International, with all the, the, the feed organizations. And you heard earlier in the program what's in the feed. Um, you know, everybody from cattlemen's associations, the dairy industry, all, all part of a global uh, livestock alliance that wants to meet a 70% increase in demand for so-called livestock products by 2050. So that, that's the FAO, this uh, flawed... Uh, uh, you know, pro pro meat, dairy, fish and egg industry uh, organization as part of the United Nations, and then along come uh, Dr. Robert Goodland and Jeffrey Anhang at the World Bank, and they look at that eighteen percent assessment, and they they you know they you can you can Google uh, livestock and climate change, and and they just rip apart that whole eighteen percent assessment for what it included and what what it uh, avoided. And uh, so uh, those climate specialists came up with the assessment that, no, uh, it's not 18%. It's certainly not 14%. It's at least 51% of all human-caused greenhouse gas emissions, animal agriculture, your appetite for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And those same climate specialists, not the meat industry, but these ecologists, the first ecologist ever hired by the World Bank, uh, and uh, with their assessment, which has uh, been peer-reviewed and accepted by the scientific community, it's the only assessment accepted by the scientific community. And those same so, uh, climate specialists tell us the only solution is to go vegan, uh, which will free up enough land for reforestation, for the planting of trees, uh, you know, your, your appetite for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs is also the number one cause of uh, deforestation and resource depletion. And uh, am I blaming you? I, I don't really mean to be blaming. It doesn't sound like I'm blaming. Um, just asking for you to please take responsibility. Um, if, you're, if you are concerned about climate change, you have to go vegan. Uh, if you're not concerned about climate change, do it anyway, just, 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 just for the health of it, okay? Just for the health of it. Um, okay, well, I think, uh, am I done now? I'm done now. So, um, again, we invite you to support this program with a tax-deductible donation. We uh, certainly need your help if we are con to continue the radio program. We're looking for volunteers for Radio Bobby, which will be a project of Go Vegan Radio, an internet music radio station that I promise will be the music experience of a lifetime. But we need help. We need volunteers to help us convert um, YouTube video, YouTube uh, vid videos of songs into uh, MP3 versions of those songs so that we can play them on Radio Bobby. We would like to launch Radio Bobby in the uh, near future and uh, make the world a happier place. There is enough misery in the world already. And uh, in fact, if you would like to make the world a happier place, you would go vegan too.